Today, we're speaking with a nonprofit that's very relevant to today's headlines and conversations around social justice. True Colors United is here with us today with executive director and co-founder, Gregory Lewis. How are you, Gregory? I'm good, how are you? Great, thank you for taking a little time today. We definitely wanted to share um, with our viewers a little bit about True Colors United, the history, um, as well as some of the current issues that are um, going on and how True Colors United will be um, part of the conversations as we go forward. So first, could you give us a little bit about uh, history about True Colors United and how you came to found True Color, co-found True Colors with Cindy Lauper? Sure, well, first of all, thank you for having me and thanks for um, having such a wonderful app for an opportunity for people to be able to support the charities that uh, they believe in the most. Uh, it's because of um, donations from people uh, across the, the world, really, and here in the United States that, you know, True Colors United is able to do its work. So it's really important to have um, to have companies like CoinUp really get behind us. So thank you for this opportunity. Um, so uh, really, True Colors United started uh, on a tour bus uh, in 2008. Um, Cindy uh, and her manager, Lisa Barbaris, who's our other co-founder, um, started a tour called the True Colors Tour that raised money uh, for LGBT causes, LGBTQ causes across America, particularly focusing in on raising awareness around hate crimes and the power to vote. And um, over those two summers, uh, we were able to raise a quarter of a million dollars for various LGBTQ uh, causes and charities. And, um, you know, literally every night, Cindy would get out on stage and talk for five minutes about equality and the importance of creating an inclusive society. And um, we just got to talking on the tour bus at night after shows, um, after going to 26 different cities about, well, if we can have some sort of an impact through music um, over a summer, what could we do year round? And particularly there was an issue that mattered the mo mattered a great deal to the three of us, um, Cindy and Lisa being mothers themselves and me being a gay man, um, really seeing that there was a significant void in addressing an issue that was hidden for far too long, which is LGBTQ youth homelessness. In America, you have 4.2 million young people experiencing homelessness each year. And that looks like everything from what people typically might think, which is living on the streets, which is, is actually not the majority of what young people experiencing homelessness go through. It's couch surfing, it's doubling up, it's living in unsafe um, buildings and, and spaces. It's, um, it's really uh, a prolific um, uh, epidemic in this country and around the globe that, um, that needs to be paid attention to. And so, um, but of that 4.2 million youth who experience homelessness each year, up to 40% of them identify as lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, or questioning. And, and that is due to a, a great many number of reasons, um, most notably family conflict, family rejection due to a young person's sexual orientation and gender identity, but it's also due to racism. It's also due to poverty. It's also due to um, involvement in our child welfare system and our juvenile justice system. It's due to 
uh, lack of quality education and and community supports. Um, and back to the to the 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 one of the main reasons being racism and kind of the systemic um, oppression that you know people of color, BIPOC people face in this country. Um, in addition to LGBTQ youth being 120% more likely to experience homelessness, Black youth are 86% more likely to experience homelessness, and Latinx youth are 33% more likely to experience homelessness. And so if you're an LGBTQ youth and you're also a, a um, person of color, youth of color, the, the risk and of you becoming homeless in this country um, is even greater. Um, and we need to um, acknowledge that as well. That's right. Um, you know, in in bringing Cindy Lauper into the conversation and other uh, entertainers, celebrities, and athletes, what what is true? How does True Colors really use those stages, those influencers, to help get the message across about building awareness, tolerance, and acceptance for LGBTQ? So. Um, I think the you know the power of celebrity um, and having a notable person behind a, a, a cause um, is a, a, an important vehicle to bring attention to an issue, and so really the power of celebrity is to shine a spotlight, to shine a light on the work, on the issue, and what needs to happen, um, and and that is. Uh, you know, something that True Colors United has been able to benefit greatly from, not only from Cindy's um, involvement, but we've had, you know, well, hundreds of celebrities and notable people over our 12 year history really get behind the organization. Everybody from Pink to Elton John to um, Salt and Peppa, 50 Cent, you know, we've had so many people that have stepped up um, to really get behind this cause because they believe that no young person should experience homelessness in this country, but also that they shouldn't experience it because of their sexual orientation or gender identity. And one thing I would say is that, you know, celebrity can definitely bring attention, but what's important is, is that what's being brought, what attention is being brought to um, is that there's real ways for people to get involved and take part themselves, whether that in, in the instance of coin up, making a donation, um, or on an issue like youth homelessness, writing a letter um, and contacting your representatives in Congress to let them know that you support increased funding and protections for youth experiencing homelessness who are LGBTQ. Um, it's to, you know, making sure that you have opportunities in your community to support the programs, whether they're shelter, housing programs, drop-in centers um, that you can either volunteer at or make donations to as well. Um, so celebrity is a, an, an extraordinary tool um, to be able to, to, to get people's attention on an issue that particularly like youth homelessness is just not um, paid attention to as much as it needs to. That's right. So um, on another note, you're just closing out one of your biggest campaign months ever. Uh, October was LGBTQ History Month and Show Your True Colors uh, Challenge. I wanted to hear a little bit more about what that challenge entailed and what the goals were for that campaign um, as you closed out just even 10 days ago, I think. Yeah, so in addition to LGBTQ History Month, it's also National Coming Out Month and National Coming Out Day. And um, I think um, the most important thing that's happened over the last particularly 40 years for the LGBT community has been the collective power of people coming out 
whether it to be to their fam to themselves first and foremost, but coming out to their family and friends, to their coworkers, to um, all the people in their lives. Um, it is fundamentally um, the biggest thing that has happened to create greater acceptance, affirmation, and inclusion of LGBTQ people um, in communities and across the country. Um, so what True Colors United um, focused on in October was really um, encouraging people to show their true colors, whether it be as an LGBTQ plus person or as a um, ally um, to the LGBT community. So whether that be by telling their story or talking about how they're taking action in their day-to-day -day lives. So on TikTok in particular, we partnered with them on this hashtag show your true colors. And if you go on, you can see so many, put that in and you'll see so many inspiring, wonderful TikToks of people sharing um, and showing their true colors. Um, so it was, it was wonderful. I think it, it, the campaign was viewed by over 200, almost 250 million people on TikTok. Yeah. So um, really exciting. So mission accomplished, building mission awareness. Accomplished and and uh, a good next step in the continuing effort to make sure that everybody can show up and show their true colors every day in their lives. So a couple of things around that. One is I am so amazed by the uh, connection between being able to say that you're coming out and the connection between arts and creativity. So I want to hear a little bit about that, but also um, maybe even before that, just a little bit about that moment before someone is actually going to come out and tell their family and friends who they are and you know that they might be gay or transgender, whatever that is, like that moment before, like how they must be feeling and what it takes, you know, the, the strength and the courage that it takes to be able to say that out loud and to finally, you know, and deal with the risks of what the reactions that they might get. It is, it is the, um, is one of the most scariest moments a person can have who's LGBTQ. Yeah. It is the scariest moment, at least for me, it was, you know, I came out, um, at this point, I came out 26 years ago <laughs> and I still remember it, you know, quite vividly. I, you know, coming out to myself was a huge moment um, and acknowledging um, my identity myself at the age of 19 um, was, uh, you know, profound and, and opened up a whole, opened up my life to me, really. Um, but then, you know, telling the people that I loved and cared about um, who I was, was, you know, to this day, the scariest thing I've ever done. It's, it, there's so much shame that you are working through um, to build up the courage and to be vulnerable with the people in your life and taking a risk. Um, and it is, um, it is a scary moment, but it, to me, um, was, the most freeing moment. It certainly presented challenges for me as it does for every LGBTQ plus person. Um, and um, it is one, a decision that somebody shouldn't you know, take lightly and nobody ever really does, um, but also seek the support and help you need to be able to make that decision and to be able to come out. And if you are struggling and if you do need help, there are so many resources out there um, most notably the Trevor Project, um, which if you go to the trevorproject.org, it's a 24 seven hotline for LGBTQ young people to be able to talk to somebody, um, to be able to get advice, to be able to talk through what you're going through, whether it's coming to terms with your sexual orientation or gender identity for yourselves, 
or being able to talk to somebody in your life. There's LGBT community, LGBTQ community centers in communities all across America. And if you go to um, lgbtcenters.org, you can get a whole list of those centers that you can get in-person support as well as phone support um, to be able to kind of work through those issues. Um, so you're not alone, young people, anybody, whether you're young, whether you're, you know, a teenager all the way up into whatever age you are coming out, um, it's a process. So just make sure that you're, you know, you reach out and get help if you need it. Thank you for sharing those resources. I think it's really important to let everyone know that they're available to them. Um, you mentioned vulnerability and being authentic. I think that's really where the connection comes in for arts and creativity, because that's where you really want to be vulnerable and be your authentic self. I mean, you can only be artistic if you allow that side of yourself to come out, right? So it's there's a, there's a huge parallel there, but you know, you're really the expert on it. So if you could tell us a little bit more about what that means and why True Colors talks about it so much. Yeah, so I would say creativity takes a lot of different forms, and that could take the form of art, you know, painting and sculpture and and so forth. It could take the form of uh, music. It can take the form of filmmaking, and um, it also can take the form of advocacy. It also can take the form of, you know, um, showing up in your communities and, um, you know, advocating for your rights and advocating for the issues that matter the most to you. Um, and all of those things require you to really be vulnerable and take that risk. Um, and, and I firmly believe that um, the more vulnerable you are and the more authentic you can be. And authenticity um, is a way that can really create that kind of human connection that is needed to open people's minds and hearts to the realities of what um, any you know marginalized community in our country faces, whether you're LGBTQ um, or, or any other identity. Um, that you know we're not all one identity. You know, um, you know I am you know LGBTQ. I come. I'm Jewish. I you know um, somebody who has suffered from you know, mental health issues um, uh, throughout my, my, my youth and, and um, my teenage, my uh, young adult life. Um, and so, you know, we all, the more we're willing to, you know, be vulnerable and share our experiences and our views and what's important to us through whatever avenue of creativity is best for you, that's probably one of the most powerful things you can do in your life. Yeah, I love that. I think it's so important to see that you can be powerful in so many ways based on your strengths, you know, who you are, what you're capable of. And you're right, it's not just, you're not just part of the LGBTQ community, you're part of so many different types of communities that you can, um, you know, attach to and define yourself as. So it's important to recognize all those things. Um, I kind of wanted to move over, change gears to uh, the current political environment. So one thing is um, there were over 500 LGBTQ candidates on the tickets this year. I mean, that's huge. It's, it's amazing that they are speaking up and they are advocating. And um, a record of them you know, did actually get elected to federal and state positions. And we were just wondering how is True Colors um, you know, looking to use this new administration to achieve some of their goals that might not have been possible in the last several years? 
Yeah. So first of all, the point you made about the, the candidates, yeah, another, you know, incredible year of LGBTQ people, you know, stepping up and, and being willing to take the risk to run for office. And, you know, just, you know, to, to hear people like Sarah McBride, you know, winning um, a state <laughs> seat in Delaware, the first, the highest, uh, first transgender person to be, to win a state Senate level um, seat in this country. Uh, that's a, a really amazing, wonderful thing to see. And, and uh, Sarah is an incredible person and, um, and so happy to, to, that that has happened as well as the other uh, members, uh, uh, LGBTQ community members who've made it um, into elected office. Um, this, you know, not gonna, not gonna lie, the last four years have been extraordinarily difficult, uh, not just, you know, certainly from an LGBTQ perspective, um, but also from a homelessness perspective. You know, we, um, we have had to push back on a lot of harmful efforts to the point where True Colors United is, is currently a co-plaintiff in suing the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services for no longer enforcing non-discrimination protections for LGBTQ youth in runaway and homeless youth programs. Think about that. We have a current administration that, that believes it's okay and that protections that are in place that are, that are, that, that are there should not actually be enforced. You know, that, that, is, that is something that doesn't make the front news of the newspaper because so many of these types of things have been occurring over the last four years. And to a point where True Colors United filed our first lawsuit ever in our 12 year history, um, when we could be spending our time and our resources um, moving forward, better solutions to preventing and ending youth homelessness in America, we're having to spend our time pushing back on an administration that has, you know, actively worked to harm LGBTQ youth experiencing homelessness. So. When we look forward to you know the next four years and the next administration, um, understanding the work that we were able to do under the Obama um, uh, Biden administration for eight years and the progress that we were able to make and begin to kind of really create real change in this country around youth homelessness and for the LGBT community, um, I am hopeful uh, that this new administration will pick up where we were then. Um, and really think about how are we going to end this? Because we are now in the midst of the, the greatest economic um, recession, uh, you know, that we, I don't know if it's technically a recession anymore, I'm not an economist, but the most, ec the most economically challenging time we've had since the Great Depression. And, um, and the, you know, the risks of evictions and homelessness is, is uh, in front of us. And so it's gonna require us as a nation to come together and prevent homelessness from occurring in the first place. And when it does occur, that that experience is rare, brief, and is one time, especially for young people. So we've got a lot of work to do, um, and I'm hopeful that this new administration will help make sure that that work happens. Yeah, it's incredible to me when um, a lot took so much to get into place. I mean, I think we're specifically talking about the housing, um, housing and urban development ruling about discrimination mm -hmm. and it just amazes me when it took so many years to actually get that law passed and you know so many people sacrificed to make that happen and then to reverse something like that it just blows my mind to take steps backwards 
Yeah, so you know that the just so people understand, it's the equal access rule, which is um, it's it's actually not a law; it's a rule that was put into place under the Obama Biden administration. Um, the first one, um, and the first one went into place in 2012, and that protected around sexual orientation and partially around gender identity. And then in 2015, 2016, the uh, an additional a, a additional rule was passed that firmly protected transgender people and gender identity in the equal access rule, just basically saying HUD funded programs can't deny people services, shelters, and so forth, couldn't deny services based on sexual orientation, gender identity. So the current administration um, has been working to change specifically the, the rule around gender identity um, so that programs could define for themselves what gender identity means, which basically removes that protection um, and keeps transgender people from being able to access HUD-funded shelters, which transgender people are one of the most at-risk populations who um, have the greatest amount of barriers in front of them to be overcoming homelessness. So um, to allow any sort of discrimination to occur for the most vulnerable, the most impacted, um, is really a travesty and, and unacceptable. So True Colors United has been working really hard um, to push back on that. That change hasn't occurred yet, finally. There's a whole, there's all this stuff that has to happen and, and uh, before that can happen. And one of those things is that there has to be an open comment period where the public can submit comments about this proposed change to the rule. And True Colors United co-led the effort and we succeeded in getting over 66,000 comments submitted to, um, to HUD, to the federal government. Um, and to be able to, um, before they can move forward in making that change, um, they have to answer all those 66,000 comments. So we're hopeful that, um, we're hopeful that we can keep this um, from, from happening in the first place. But again, another action that happens that doesn't get as much profile because there's so many bad things that have been happening under the current administration. Yeah, and I appreciate you clarifying that. I knew you could say it much better than I could. And um, yeah, that's great stuff. I mean, 66,000, is that is that a number you were hoping for? Are you looking for? It's the most that HUD, it's the most comments ever submitted to something like this from I love it. the Urban Development. So it was uh, a significant achievement and really, um, really a testament to those 66,000 organizations and people who took the time to let their voice be heard. Um, so, you know, really, you know, we're very fortunate to have those 66,000 people uh, take the time. I was just thinking, what are some of the concrete steps that people, everyday people like us can take to help um, create a safer environment for the LGBTQ com community, and then also keep pushing for these, uh, for this justice to yeah. take place? Well, you know, I think that, um, you know, letting your voice be heard in whatever the most, uh, whatever the best way is for each individual. Um, you know, I think, you know, um, regardless of what your position may be in, in this, the, the election um, last week, 100, over 175 million people voted. You know, that's a, a profound statement um, uh, about, uh, you know, the most of ever of any election. So that is something that we should all be proud of, um, uh, regardless of uh, the candidates, to be honest. Um, and uh, I think that, um, to be honest, we have to be honest with ourselves um, about 
the forms of oppression that are going on in our society on a daily basis. Um, you know, clearly this year, um, um, a, a huge spotlight was brought upon the, you know, systemic racism, the anti-blackness that's been going on in our country since its founding and well before um, for hundreds of years in this country. Um, and there was a reckoning this year um, that's taken far too long to happen, but one that has um, forced all of us, including myself, to examine the roles that we're playing um, in upholding white supremacy in this country. Um, and, um, and, and what we've done as a country as well to really examine the kind of heterosexism and um, you know, anti-LGBTQ efforts in this country um, that have harmed and diminished so many people. Um, we, you know, we were a country that was founded on a principle um, of freedom, but we are, we still have a long way to get there. Um, and, you know, the, the first step is being honest, uh, both with ourselves individually, as well as, as a collective society about the realities of all of these forms of oppression. And I've only named two, and there's many others, you know, we can talk about the, you know, you know, significant, um, you know, misogyny that goes on in this country and, you know, that the Me Too movement in particular over the past few years has brought to the forefront. And so, you know, we have to be willing as a society to be uncomfortable, you know, um, you know, as a white man, you know, cisgender white man, um, I may be, I am gay, but I know I've benefited in my life because I am cisgender, because I am white, because I am a man. And, um, uh, you know, I, I have the responsibility as an individual to understand um, those privileges um, while also uh, understanding and speaking up about the discrimination and the harassment and the barriers that have been put in front of me because of my sexual orientation, because I'm gay. Um, and I think we all in our in our lives um, have identities in which we have been discriminated against and treated differently for, but at the same time have uh, many privileges that have afforded us um, things that we wouldn't have in our lives if if not for those identities. So, you know, we you know in my in my situation as an individual, I need to um, advocate for those who I have more privilege for and use that privilege I have to be able to speak up while also um, challenging those who are more privileged than I am with regards to my sexual orientation um, to step up and be there and speak up for, for my community as well. And I think um, uh, that is kind of a reckoning that we are having, having as a country right now um, and that we are gonna be having for a long time. But I think it starts with being honest with ourselves first. That's right. I, I think um, I just want to underscore three or four times the fact that you're saying um, even those who are privileged. So if you're a male, you know, fighting for women, if you're not LGBTQ, you're fighting for LGBTQ. It takes all the communities, even the ones who are not part of that one community to speak up and also, you know, validate those, those needs and those and the justice for every type of person, you know, regardless of their gender or you know, any, any of the biases that come up. 
So it, I, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't, you know, the work shouldn't rest on the people who are being discriminated yeah, against. Exactly you know, right. I think that's know, it, in the past, but now the times are changing where everyone else is also speaking up and that's what it takes. It, 100%, you know, you know, I mean, as a, as a white person, it's my responsibility to challenge other white people right. to, to own up to, you know, the privileges that we have and to own up to the realities that BIPOC people in this country face every day. It shouldn't be on BIPOC people to be the ones to, to right. educate white people. You know, um, it, it's white people's job to learn about that as just as it is for straight and cisgender people to do the work to understand the realities of LGBTQ people in this country. Um, and, you know, to put that burden, which has been on any marginalized population, the burden has rested on them and it's effing exhausting. Right. You know, it's exhausting. Right. Well, the populations are also smaller. They're just so yeah. small. You have to uh, broaden that. I mean, even for myself as a female entrepreneur, um, when I go to events that are targeted to, you know, women entrepreneurs, I love it when there's men there and there's men there who want to help and they want to support us and they want to advise. And it's great. I mean, it, it's such an amazing thing to see that. And you're like, oh yeah, you know, there can be others who will advocate for us, not just ourselves. Yeah. Um, so it's pretty amazing. So another thing you had mentioned was right now, uh, True Colors is going above and beyond their call of duty. But during normal times, what is most of the funding uh, used for sure. in your organization? So we really focus our work um, uh, in four different ways. Um, we um, we work at the local, at the state, at the national, at the international levels. And we do that work through four primary focuses. First and foremost is training and education, where we're helping individuals and, and um, service providers, whether they be shelters, drop-in centers, housing programs, really understand the unique needs um, and experiences of LGBTQ youth and youth of color um, in this country experiencing homelessness and um, helping them understand um, how to create the kind of safe, inclusive and affirming environments that are necessary to help LGBTQ youth and youth of color be able to um, first prevent their homelessness, but then if they are experiencing homelessness, be able to make that experience rare, brief, and one time. Um, and uh, secondarily, we do a tremendous amount of advocacy work um, where we work uh, here in Washington, DC, um, as well as in state capitals across the country and helping to um, secure the necessary government funding as well as policies and protections um, to ensure that we can actually serve all the youth who experience homelessness and that those services are safe and inclusive and welcoming for, for all young people experiencing homelessness. And then um, thirdly, we work with young people who've experienced homelessness themselves um, to be the leaders we need them to be because people who've gone through homelessness are the experts of their own experiences more than anybody else. And so for them not to be at the table making as part of making the decisions that are actually going to bring an end to this problem, um, it's essential. Um, and if we don't do that, we're, we're never going to end the problem. So we really work um, to um, uh, help young people with lived experience become the leaders we need them to be. Uh, and then lastly, we work in communities as a whole to help them um, 
create long-term plans and programming um, to move away from a crisis response system to really uh, a systemic approach to reducing the number and ultimately ending youth homelessness in, in our country while making sure that we're centering and addressing systemic racism and addressing um, anti-LGBTQ um, uh, efforts in those communities. Uh, to make sure that um, we're serving those young people who are most in need as opposed to um, ignoring their needs. I, I love the part about um, taking some of the youth who've experienced this and then come out of it to use them as role models now for two reasons. Number one, they'll resonate the most with that population, but also number two, just paying it forward. It's such a wonderful thing to pay it forward because um, you know they benefited from those opportunities and um, to see what you know what's possible beyond that is a great thing. Yeah. Um, so with demand for services higher during the pandemic, that's what we're seeing across most nonprofits, is that also true for True Colors United? And how is True Colors United going about increasing its funding um, during this time? I mean, you, you really are having a lot on your shoulders with you know the social justice issues going on as well politically. Yeah, so um, we, uh, we are working really hard to make sure that the funding is there um, from the federal government to make sure that communities have the resources that they need to serve young people experiencing homelessness and all people experiencing homelessness. So a great deal of our efforts um, there have been, uh, our, our political effort, not political, our government efforts have really been focused on um, ensuring that that happens in the CARES Act, which was the first kind of major piece of relief um, legislation passed by Congress uh, in, in response to COVID, um, we got $4 billion um, in funding for uh, communities across the country to, to avoid, to help people experiencing homelessness and to avoid, to help people avoid uh, experiencing homelessness in the first place. Um, the other thing, uh, other ways that we've been really working is to make sure that um, individual programs um, that uh, work with young people experiencing homelessness um, don't let equity and inclusion fall by the wayside because in the midst of a crisis, um, you know, you're really just focused on the immediate needs of young people needing housing, needing, you know, food, needing, you know, counseling and, and support. And at that same time, diversity and inclusion can kind of maybe fall by the wayside. And when you're, you know, it, you know, maybe not receiving as much funding and support that you need, um, that's even more challenging. So what we've been trying to do is kind of remove those barriers and to help programs um, work through and ensure that they're continuing to train their staff, that they're continuing to understand, particularly in this new, this elevated crisis, um, the needs of LGBTQ youth and youth of color. So we provide free trainings and resources and tools to kind of remove that. We've always done that, but we make clear that those resources and tools continue to be free. We're developing new ones um, in response to um, the uprisings this summer uh, to white supremacy and, and, and uh, against anti-Blackness. Um, we um, are rolling out um, new tools around racial equity trainings and, and so forth so that programs, um, we don't want there to be any excuses um, for why programs and communities are not serving um, the young people that um, that need their help. You know, it's great. I think you're doing a great job. I have noticed in what I'm reading on LinkedIn and some of the, um, you know, just 
current topics that I'm reading about and the trainings that I'm reading about, they really are starting to talk about that, you know, diversity, inclusion. Um, it's, it's becoming a topic on every type of manual or, you know, document that I'm reading about hiring and training. And so I think it is really becoming, you know, part of the norm to talk about those, um, talk about to talk about diversity and inclusion, which I'm really excited about. I, th I think that's great. So what you're doing is working, keep doing the great work. Um, so that has been an incredible conversation, Gregory. Thank you so much. One of the things I love about what we do is sharing your stories and the work that you do, because sometimes it's, you know, it, it's not that it goes unnoticed or um, unappreciated, but we don't really get into the details of the work that our nonprofits do and what it takes to do the work that you're doing um, at so many levels. So thank you so much for all the work that True Colors United does and for being here today. Thank you. And thank you to CoinUp and to all your members and um, all of you watching really appreciate this opportunity. Great. And uh, we hope that all of our viewers today will take a few minutes to click on the link below to coin up for True Colors and their mission to support the uh, LG LGBTQ homeless youth that are experiencing homelessness. Um, just click on the link below to round up and donate your everyday purchases to uh, this wonderful cause. Thank you, everyone.